Hymn 140 is a beautiful hymn and, and really relevant to the time in which we live. And I can remember the first time I sang verse three as a brother in Christ. And I remember thinking, if our pilgrimage was dreary and we felt weary, then surely that meant we were doing something wrong. And yet, whilst we hope and pray that this is a precursor to greater things soon to come, for many of us, this has been a dreary year. And many of us do feel weary. Now, at the original Lockdown Bible School, just over six months ago, our opening devotional centred on the principle and practice of holiness. And today's New Testament reading reconnects us with the same principle through the cry, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So having been forcibly and physically separated from the world around us, have we taken lockdown as an opportunity to distance ourselves from the world and draw closer to God? Because, of course, that's what holiness is all about. Now, lockdown's affected us all in different ways, but for each of us, it presents a test. Just as the children of Israel were tested through their wilderness journey to see what was in their hearts, I believe we are being tested to see what is in ours. Just, just come with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll pick up at the start of the chapter. 1 Peter 1 and verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit and to obedience of the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, know thou for a season, if need be, but ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom now thou you see though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And just notice what we read there in verses six and seven. However hard and sorrowful it may be, the trial of our faith is a good thing. In Bible times, gold was purified and proved through fire. Without fire, it would never become what it could be. The impurities it contains make it brittle and dull. So too our faith, something far, far, far more precious than gold, is tried with fire that it might be found unto praise and honour and glory when Jesus returns. Just, just turn back a few pages to James chapter 1. And verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Notice James's audience are also scattered abroad. Greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. 
But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. See, the trying of our faith is good because it produces patience. And patience, brothers and sisters, is the key to our spiritual development. Because patience is what will perfect and complete us as we prepare for the return of the master. Now, patience is an interesting word. In Greek, it's the word hypermone. And it conveys the idea of enduring something cheerfully, or if cheerfully seems too big a step right now, at least enduring something hopefully. Trials teach us to cheerfully or hopefully endure, and reaching this state of mind is what allows us to mature and ultimately be perfected. A life without trial means never learning to endure and ultimately remaining incomplete. An old African proverb captures this principle with the words, smooth seas make poor sailors. Now, this evening, I'm not quite ready to go to town on greatly rejoicing or counting it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. I simply want us to consider the question, how can we learn to patiently endure trials so that we too might be perfected? And the reason I ask this question is that if you are anything like me, you too may be becoming weary as our trials continue. So how can we learn to patiently endure trials so that we too might be perfected? Now, nothing I say should surprise you this evening. I make no apology for that. I'm not concerned with whether we know it. I'm concerned with whether we are doing it. And with that in mind, I'm going to issue three challenges, each one to myself and to you. Come back to First Peter for a moment, because the same chapter also shows us where to begin. First Peter, chapter one, and this time verses 23 to 25. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever for all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So the seed is the word of God, an incorruptible seed, which lives and abides forever. That's the only place we can begin. And of course, the very moment we consider the word of God as a seed our thoughts are directed to the parable of the sower. So keep a bookmark in First Peter, because we'll be coming back there shortly. Uh, but turn with me now to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to pick up the account here, Luke chapter 8, uh, and at verse 5. These are the words that Jesus speaks. Verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And we've got the explanation in verse 11, haven't we? Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, 
which for a time belief and in time of temptation or trial fall away. Now on the wayside, the sea was trodden down and forgotten without a second thought. And we know that's not us, at least. It's not us if we'd been baptised into Christ. But what about the stony ground? Well, Matthew writes, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched or burned. And because they had no root, they withered away. Without roots, when the sun beats upon us, we will be scorched. We will be burned and wither away under trial. So what does it mean to have no roots? Well, the seed on the wayside is the word of God trodden down and caught away before it can even begin to take root. Matthew tells us it's not understood. Why? Because it passes in one ear and straight out the other without any thought. No examination, no meditation. It's just words. Now, we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it's not enough to hear a sequence of words and phrases. We need to think about it. We need to consider what it means. We need to give it every opportunity to take root. And that's exactly why Jesus used parables, not to make it easier to understand, but harder. Jesus used parables to conceal his message so it would only take root in the hearts of those who really thought about it. And the more time and energy we devote to thinking about the revealed mind of God and the less time and energy we spend thinking about the natural mind of man, the deeper our roots will grow. Yes, if we want to endure, then it goes without saying that we need to open the word of God every day. And on a bad day, we can fall over even this simple hurdle. But reading it is not enough. We have to meditate upon it. Now, sadly, in the modern world, the term meditate evokes the mysterious image of bald men in orange robes burning incense, something that we need to be particularly skilled, trained or even qualified to do. Uh, but the words translated in scripture as meditate simply mean to reflect or ponder, to imagine or muse, even to mutter or speak to yourself. If we want to endure fiery trials, if we want to grow deep roots, this is where we need to start. And it's not complicated. Simply take a Bible verse, a principle or a character and think about it. That's it. Ask yourself questions. What does it mean? Why is it there? What can I learn? Literally talk to yourself. Whilst you're going out for a walk, waiting for someone, doing the ironing, mowing the lawn, washing your hands. That's better than happy birthday. Drinking a cup of tea sitting in your chair, taking a bath, drying your hair, painting the wall, sitting at the traffic lights. Just think. That's exactly how the psalmist could say, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. He wasn't sitting there in silence doing nothing but thinking about the word of God. He was incorporating the word of God into every moment. So this is our first challenge for the rest of this year. Every day, Choose an aspect of the word of God to think about throughout the day, something we can come back to whenever our mind runs free and something we can consciously return to whenever we find our thoughts in the wrong places. It could be an ongoing meditation or it could simply be something you've read in that day. In a short while, God willing, Brother Nathan will be speaking on finding Christ on every page. 
what a brilliant subject on which to meditate every day. Where is Christ in this chapter, this character, this event? How can I truly come to know him? The more we meditate, the deeper our roots will grow. So when times of trial come our way, we will not wither in the scorching heat because we have roots which go deep down into the moisture of the earth. So let's ponder what that means as we sing together hymn one. Blessed are they who listen not to evil counsel, turn aside from every thought of sin. Day and night, the law of God their maker is their joy and meditation, well of life within. effectiveness in uh, mute and hiding my video so you don't have to see my singing face during the hymns. So Luke chapter 8 uh, and verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Now, we could perhaps carelessly skip these words and say, no, 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 not me. The riches and pleasures of this life are not for me. When in truth, we are easily blinded to the effect the world and its thinking is having on us. But we're not going to consider the thorns of, of riches and pleasures this evening. We're going to focus on thorn number one. The cares of this life. And of the three, this is perhaps our greatest threat. It creeps up on us. And before we know it, it's occupying almost every waking moment 
with little or nothing left for God. Paying the bills, raising children, overcoming ecclesial challenges, concerns about health and relationships, dealing with change and uncertainty, worrying about what others think of us, coping with loneliness and boredom, being overwhelmed with how much there is to do. I could go on. Each one clamoring for our attention at different times in our lives and many of them reaching for us all at once. Each one with the potential to choke us if we focus on them. But of course, God has the answer, an answer that's so familiar to us, there's no need for us to turn it up. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer. That's the answer. Be careful or anxious for nothing. Don't fret about it. Big, small, makes no difference. Take it to God in prayer. If we truly place it into his hands, we can know peace, whatever our circumstances. When Jesus taught his disciples the parable of the persistent widow, he said they ought always to pray and not to faint. Because praying would prevent them becoming faint. And the word he uses for faint doesn't mean physical exhaustion. It's much more subtle than that. It means to become totally weary, utterly spiritless, to fail in heart. And without prayer, that's exactly where we'll end up. And every single time I reach this state, the moment I have the sense to look up, I realise I've been too busy with the cares of this life to pray, really pray. If you ever find yourself at the point you feel like giving up altogether, where you think you can't go on, well, you're certain you've had enough, then nine times out of ten, it will be because you have forgotten to pray. Really pray. But as with our first challenge, it's not enough to read the word of God. We have to help it take root in our hearts. Likewise, it's not enough to pray. We have to consider what we pray. Of course, it doesn't matter whether we're praying for small things or big things. What matters is where our attention is focused. Just come with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just going to pick up Hebrews 12 uh, and partway through verse 1. So Hebrews 12, just partway through verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, the race that is set before us. You see, prayer is what empowers us to take the thorny cares of this life, along with the thorny riches and the thorny pleasures of this life that can also surround us and choke us and just lay them aside. If we are unburdened in this way, the race will not exhaust us. Prayer allows us to lay it all aside and fix our eyes on those things that are above. Because whenever our attention is truly focused upon the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the cares of this life just fall into place. And after Jesus explains this, he goes on to say, take, therefore, no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. When it comes to the cares of this life, let's pray about today 
that's enough. Not next year, next month, next week, not even tomorrow. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I'm a slow learner. So I'm going to share a lesson I've only just learned, and it's a little embarrassing, but I'm sure it will be helpful to some of you. Now, I run my own business, although you don't need to think of this in terms of running a business to understand. And at the start of lockdown, most of my work was cancelled due to the pandemic. Now, I've prayed about many things over the years, and at certain times I have prayed about the business. But this year, the penny finally dropped. When our Lord instructs us to pray for daily bread, it's because from a material perspective, that's all he wants us to focus our energy on. That day, only that day. He wants us to focus the rest of our energy on spiritual things, those things which are unseen. You see, when Moses was out of sight and the children of Israel saw he wasn't coming straight back down out of the mount, they became weary of waiting. Their attention shifted away from the things of God to the cares, the riches and the pleasures of this life. And in their hearts, they turned back into Egypt. The challenge for us is to look forward, not back. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Look at what Jesus endured and recognize that he endured it by looking to the joy that was set before him, not dwelling on the cares of this life. So we're exhorted to follow his example and look to him as we await his return. For if we don't, we will be wearied and faint in our minds. Now, God willing, tomorrow evening, Brother Neville Clark will lead us in two studies. Nicodemus, who learned to lay aside the things of this world in order to embrace the things of the spirit. And Mary Magdalene, who always wanted to be with the Lord. Then our final study on Sunday evening is Brother Steve Jones on the prophetess Anna, who waited so patiently to see the Messiah, she never left the temple. Each one paints a powerful example of looking to Christ, the coming king, in hope. Unlike Brother Steve, I grew up in South Wales. And as a youngster, one of the speakers I remember there above all others was Brother Vaughan Rowlands. And one of his favourite refrains was, kingdom minded. That's what we need to be, kingdom minded. And what an excellent refrain it was. So let us pray about what matters in the long run. Direct our attention and energy there. Consider those things which are eternal for everything else. All that matters is having enough for today. And if you study the prayers of the Apostle Paul, that's what you'll find. He constantly prayed for spiritual things, not physical things. Truly, his prayers were kingdom minded. Interestingly enough, since becoming absent from my prayers in this way, my business has begun to flourish again. It was a painful and embarrassingly basic lesson, but a necessary one nonetheless. So let's join together now in the words of hymn 138. We're reading from verse 2. 
On thee alone our hopes we rest, to thee alone we lift our eyes, regard our prayer in faith expressed, accept our spirit's sacrifice, tis not for present power or wealth, or worldly fame we look to thee, we ask thy gift of heavenly health, the gift of immortality. But that, on the good ground, are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Because if we hear the word and keep it, that's what patience does. It brings forth fruit to perfection, which brings us right back to where we started. Peter wrote, didn't he, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. James wrote, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have 
her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And that's why we need to be patient, because being, when patience is complete, it brings forth fruit unto perfection. And once again, the letters of James and Peter have something to say. Come to James chapter 5. James chapter 5 and verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So let us be patient, for truly the coming of the Lord draws nigh. And little by little, our present trials teach us to endure in hope so that in turn we will produce precious fruit unto perfection. Brothers and sisters, we are almost there. Let us not be weary now. Let us not faint. Let us simply take one day at a time, laboring patiently in God's vineyard to bring forth fruit unto perfection for given time. This work which began with faith, led to patience, will ultimately be completed in love. Come to 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, and we'll start at verse 5. 2 Peter 1 and verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. And to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have it. Faith is the foundation. Faith is the safely planted seed, quietly growing deeper and deeper roots into the earth. Patience puts us just over halfway where we've learned to look forward with hope, whatever our circumstances. But the perfected, completed fruit is love, agape love, selfless love. And we know that in the scriptural sense, it's not about feelings and emotions. It's an active thing. That's why scripture calls it a labor of love. It's the love that puts God and our brothers and sisters first. It's the love that was perfected and exemplified for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the love that we day by day are called upon to give. Now, God willing, tomorrow morning, Brother Steve McGeorge will speak on the fall and rise of Judah. The one who became truly fit to inherit the line of promise at the point he was willing to lay down his own life in love for his father and for his brethren. For it is through this love that he himself was perfected. So now for our third and final challenge, a daily labor of love. At the end of each day, if the Lord has not come, before you go to sleep, ask yourself, if I am granted another day before harvest, what one thing could I do tomorrow to bring forth fruit for God. One day at a time. Of course, if we're in the prime of life, the possibilities to labour in love are endless, although so are the distractions. Yet even in the twilight of life, so many possibilities remain. No one 
can be excused. Pondering a passage of scripture, a short prayer, an expression of gratitude, a kind word of encouragement, a loving word of advice, whether it be large or small, our fruit is continually perfected. One day at a time. For we don't know when the fruit will be ready. We don't know when the harvest will come. We just need to keep bearing fruit for one more day. One day at a time. Patience will have its perfect work. And so little by little, we and the fruit we bear may become complete, whole, wanting nothing. For our final reference, just turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read the first six verses. Colossians 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, Christadelphians, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. And here we see it, the secret of our three challenges, faith, hope, love. Three challenges for us all to deepen faith through not simply reading it, but meditating upon the word of God. To live in hope, developing patience through kingdom-minded prayer, whatever our situation, and to continue laboring in love one day at a time that we might bring forth fruit to the glory of God. For now abideth faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. That's what will keep us going. Whatever the trial, whatever the challenge, whatever the difficulty. And if the events of this year have led to you becoming weary, faint, running out of steam, take courage. Don't be faint-hearted. Meditate faithfully upon the word of God. Practice hopeful, kingdom-minded prayer and labour in love one day at a time. Hymn 357. Take courage, my brother, and be not faint-hearted. Let none of your sorrows nor trials impede, but reach forth your hand and remember your brother. Forget all your troubles in meeting his need.